Well, good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be here with you on this Easter Monday evening. Hope you've had a wonderful Easter weekend. He is risen. We celebrate our Savior and what he has done for us. And that video was just to remind us about what it is that we've been thinking about over these last few days. That transformation from the darkness of Good Friday and the darkness of sin in the world that has existed, not just on Good Friday, but throughout history. The hope that Jesus brings in the resurrection. Think about what it is, the fullness of what Jesus has done. We see that described in Scripture. If we turn, for example, to Luke chapter 24. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples after his resurrection. He says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So we see there the the hope that we've been celebrating, that Jesus was resurrected, that he suffered for us, that all these things that we've been thinking about this weekend and meditating on come that he can offer us repentance. That that the opportunity to experience that and then to be transformed. Because it doesn't just stop it. Now there's a chance for repentance and you can can make things sort of okay. What does he do? He says that He's going to send the Holy Spirit as well. And so we see this beautiful picture of the fullness of God's mercy and and how it transforms us. And before we begin our new series tonight, it's worth just taking a moment to think about that mercy. And my prayer is that if you haven't yet experienced God's mercy, that you wouldn't go past Easter Monday without experiencing it. That you would experience that opportunity to, to take the burden of sins that is sitting upon you right now, upon all of us, and and hand it to Jesus. Place it at the cross and, and experience his forgiveness. It truly is something that each of us needs to experience and indeed should experience even this day. Because God calls us to really understand what his mercy is. It's not just something that we celebrate and we feel good about on Easter and then we move on from. It's not something that we read about in scripture on any given day and then move on from. It's something that we should dwell in and be immersed in and allow his work in our lives to transform us to reflect what's happened because of his mercy. And it's sort of fitting. It might seem odd if you saw the promotions for tonight's series. We're starting a series called Bad Attitudes. And and that seems kind of like an odd thing to do right after Easter. This should be just a, a triumphant series, a joyful series, right? And so why are we talking about bad attitudes. Well, one of the big problems I think that all of us have is we don't fully wrestle with God's mercy. We don't really soak in what we've been celebrating this weekend in the way that we should because we go back to living the ways that we do that are displeasing to God and ultimately destructive to ourselves. And we see that time and again in scripture as well. Scripture is not surprised by that. Scripture says it happens over and over and over again. And we're given those stories in Scripture showing that repeating pattern so that that we can see it in our own lives and experience something better. That we can stay in that Easter hope 
every single day. And, th- and that's my prayer for us as we begin this brand new series. So let's go ahead and open in prayer, and then we're going to explore some bad attitudes. Let's pray. Father, would you be with us tonight that as we celebrate the the joy and the wonder of your mercy and the fullness of it, that you not only offer us an escape from sin, but then you give us your Holy Spirit that we can have the power uh, of you in us, that we can always have our God right there. Lord, would you help us to live as those who have the Spirit dwelling in us and not as those who just want to chase after the ways of the world? Would you help us to to remember what, what the cost of the cross was and what the joy of Easter is? As we think about those things, that you might use them to to transform our lives, to be good and pleasing to you, and to experience what you've intended for us to experience in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready for some bad attitudes? Let's get started. We saw lots of different expressions in that opening. And if you think about it, we go through a lot of those different emotions that were being expressed by those emoji. We use emoji all the time as a way to to express how we're feeling, don't we? It's, it's become part of the way we think and we talk. And it really reveals the fact that, yeah, we can have ideas out there floating around and we have lots of them. But there's an awful lot of emotion behind them as well. And we use those to kind of infuse text with that emotion. Sort of like the emotion we might feel. We feel lots of wonderful and, and sad and joyful and, 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 and crazy and wonderful and all over the place things on a holiday. I asked what, what folks' favorite thing to eat at Easter was. Melanie shared that she loves Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And, and now that we're started, if you want to share, if you haven't already, share your favorite thing to eat as well. And, and when we get to some of those favorite foods and, and peanut butter cups, yeah, they, I mean, how can you not be feeling happiness as you're eating into a peanut butter egg? I mean, they're not only a peanut butter cup, which is a good thing, but they're a peanut butter egg, which is the best kind of peanut butter cup. So they, it brings joy. And maybe it's some favorite things around the Easter dinner table. And we eat those and they remind us of Easter's past and they make us happy and Maybe they also make us a little sad if we're reflecting on on people who aren't there sharing those meals with us any longer, those sorts of things. So we feel lots of different emotions in, in every circumstance. And we feel a lot of different emotions when we encounter God's mercy. And in, as we see in Scripture, as God works in people's lives, sometimes we as people, I think we know this, we, we respond appropriately with joy and gladness and a desire to follow our God. And, Another time, some of those other emoji are what's really coming into our response. We think we have more of a sly response. We think, oh, I, now I can get away with stuff. Or or I'm just still so angry about whatever's happening. I, I don't care what you're doing, God. We go through all kinds of different things. And, and this is one of the struggles with seeking to follow our Savior. We see in Romans chapter 6, Paul says this as, as we wrestle with the wonder of God's grace. What shall we say then? Are we 
to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were baptized, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Some of those emotions are listed in there, that this sense that, well, if if I'm receiving all this mercy, should I just go ahead and sin more? After all, it gives Jesus chances to show how merciful he is. And our first bad attitude example, I, I think, exemplifies this attitude, except way, way, way back in Scripture, long before the coming of Jesus and, and the wonder of what he accomplishes on the cross. When it was just a promise in the most vague sense given to Adam and Eve, we're just talking a few generations later, we see the story of Lamech. And in that story, we see someone who misunderstands God's mercy. Let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 4. We're told a bit of Cain's family tree. It says, To Enoch was born Irid, and Irid fathered Mahujalel, and Mahujalel fathered Methushalel, and Methushalel fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His f- brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubalcain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubalcain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. There's a lot packed into this, and it's kind of a bizarre little story if you think about it. We're, we're going down this peaceful family tree moment, not really a peaceful family tree because just a few passages before at the start of this family tree is the story of Cain and his murder of Abel, the first murder that we find in the world. And that comes into play here because God preserves Cain. Even though Cain is a a very sinful man, he's killed his brother. He's killed his brother for what? For offering sacrifices that please God. But God shows him mercy. He, he puts a mark on Cain that the world would know not to take revenge on Cain. And there's been lots of discussion on what that mark looks like and how it exactly functioned. But if you think about a world in which probably, quite possibly, everyone in it would want to kill Cain. Because everyone was part of that extended family and, and he'd killed Abel and he's... Imagine if you had someone in your family who killed other family members. You really wouldn't want them around. And so there are a lot of people that want to kill Cain. And, and God shows him mercy by offering this mark, placing it on him, saying that God was going to be his protector, that the others shouldn't do to Cain what Cain 
did to Abel. And that's a very early example in scripture of mercy when you think about it. At first, sometimes people look at it and think, oh, that's awful. He has this mark on his head now that says murderer. But what God was doing was preserving Cain so that, that he wouldn't just be killed by someone else and the cycle of blood vengeance would just start rolling along. And in doing that, then God shows mercy to the succeeding generations because they get to live. They get to exist because Cain isn't killed by the first person who thinks that he can take out revenge on Cain. And we see some different people here inventing different things. We see people dwelling in tents that, that are innovating in, in how they go about their work tending to flocks. And, and then we see musicians and we see the creation of metal instruments and, and we see all these different things coming together. There's lots of interesting things happening. Commentators have observed that Cain's family is a, a family of innovators. And I guess we could say that Cain innovated by killing someone. But, but after that, we see actual positive good innovation. A picture of, in some sense, what it's like to be human, that we, we follow the creator, we create things, they're creating things, and, and these are good things, they're not bad but then it comes to a screeching halt here, and we have this story of Lamech, and we have to wrestle with it because in the midst of all this, and in fact, several of his children are those who are coming up with these innovations, he goes and does something else. He goes and kills someone, like Cain did, but tries to innovate by extending out the penalty for trying to exact revenge on him. He's gotten into some kind of situation with this man. The man wounded him, we're told, and, and Lamech's response to what appears to be a relatively minor wound is to say, I'm just going to kill the guy. So what we see here is, is something slightly different from Cain. Cain seems to be overtaken by this this rage. He, he doesn't like that God doesn't like his sacrifice like God likes Abel's sacrifice, and he has rage and he takes it out, a, a crime of passion, we might say. It's not good, not good at all. But here, Lamech goes further. He's cold and methodical about this. He, he thinks, well, if, if Cain can get away with, with murder, quite literally, so can I. And so we see here a, a progression not only in coming up with innovative things in this family, but also of innovating on sin. Some have even wondered if perhaps part of the reason Lamech feels like he can say that whatever would have happened if someone had touched Cain, it's going to be 77 times worse for the person that comes after me. Maybe the fact that he says that is because he's watching these innovations coming up in his family and he thinks, well, we're going to be well armed. And if anyone tries to come after me, we'll just bring down all this force of this technology upon whoever tries. We don't know exactly what he was thinking if he was thinking that, or if he was just thinking about how God had promised to protect Cain and he figures he's more important than Cain, we, we don't have a complete insight into his mind. But what we do know is that his conclusion is horrendous, that, that he can go ahead and murder someone for something insignificant, process through it, and then go and boast about it in song, perhaps singing along to his children's musical innovations, and extend out this mercy that God had offered to Cain into something that, that makes him self-important. We see this progression of technology 
as a way of boosting our own pride over and over again in Scripture. We'll see it again in a few chapters, if not before, certainly exemplified in the story of the Tower of Babel, which is a story of humanity building itself up to show that it is as important as God. Of course, it doesn't go very well. And that's true every time that we allow pride to build ourselves up so that we go ahead and feel authorized to do things that are displeasing to God. But we keep running back to that pride anyway because it it makes us feel good and it makes us feel important. We're like a gorilla to bananas. We want to just seize onto those those bits of pride because they're so appealing. We just want to hold on to it and, and devour them. But as we feed that pride like Lamech did and like we we do today, it leads to two mistakes that we see in this story. And and the first one is is one that is exemplified in this transition from accidental to premeditated. This idea that that mercy from God means that I can go ahead and I can premeditate sinful action even as he was showing mercy over accidental action. Take a look at what Lamech says once again. So he said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. He says, well, Apparently you can get away with murder, so I'll go ahead and and murder someone and I'll sing about it. And so we do see this weird expansion of innovation. And isn't it interesting that this family that's descended from murder, a family whose first ancestor outside of Adam and Eve, the, the first one of this branch of the family tree, threatened human existence itself. Because he went and killed one of the only other human beings at the time. And now it becomes something that is just, well, someone does something to me, I'll kill him. And in that we think, well, how did we get from point A to point B? How did we get to murder at all? But how did we get to this amplification of murder? Yet, in our own lives, hopefully you haven't actually had the experience of murdering someone. I pray that no one listening tonight has gone through that, or if you had, I'm still glad you're here. But, uh, you know, that's not something that we wish on anyone because we realize it's ultimately degrading both to the person obviously being murdered and the person murdering because sin corrodes and and it eats away at us. But not just big sins, as we might put quotes around them, like murder. The little sins what we want to think of as little sins, at least, do as well. And when we embrace them and we hold on to them and we feed them, often because we feel like we deserve it, because we're feeding that pride, they eat away at us and they corrode us and and they make us less and less able to see the mercy that God is there to show us. And less and less able to understand that mercy when we encounter it. I, I was thinking, as I was thinking about this mercy, about library books and for the most part I've always been very nervous about having late library books because I didn't want to pay the fine or or lose lending privileges or anything like that. During my time as an undergraduate I never had a late library book period ever and I was very pleased with that. Now in seminary ironically I went downhill a little bit. I had some late books but I always got them and turned in okay. Um, 
Although the seminary I was at didn't have much in the way of mercy, if you turned the book in late, you paid a very hefty fee for it. If you turned it in just a couple hours late, you paid a hefty fee for it. They they were all about law when it came to library books. And, and so I still was pretty good about getting those books in. Now, at the seminary I've been doing some additional studies at in recent years, they, they have what you might call a very merciful library policy. And generally speaking, it takes a long time for those late fees to kick in. What have I noticed about myself? Well, when the late fees don't kick in very quickly, I, I'll, I'll, I'll see that book and think, oh, I can worry about renewing it or taking it back tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. Because I've experienced this mercy, it can have this effect that I start to think, well, I can innovate on my lateness, just as, as Lamech innovated on, on Cain's murder. And so I'll turn those books in later and later. And, and then there's some minor late fees, but they're not very bad. And so it, it doesn't necessarily cause me to think, oh, I need to repent and turn these books in. That's sort of a silly example in a way. And unless you're a librarian, you're probably not thinking that's a, a horrible, terrible kind of sin that you should cast someone out of the church for or anything. But, but I think we all experience that in all kinds of ways in our lives. As we experience God's mercy, as he, he helps us escape from some of our mistakes, as he ultimately helps us to, to be freed from sin and to experience his grace, the temptation can be to do what Paul said in Romans, that, that we think, well, I'll just sin more so I can experience more grace and the world can see more of the grace that God has shown me. And in that, what we see is this, this sense in which we, we start to feel like we're entitled to it. Maybe at first, as, as we receive the gospel, we, we try not to sin, and it's just here and there we, we mistakenly sin. But as we go along, we start to fall into that premeditation where we think, well, I can go ahead and get away with this sin because I know that God's going to forgive me afterwards. start to demand God's grace. And that, that leads into the second part of the, mis, the the set of mistakes that we see in Lamech's response. And that's that as God gives us that grace, we start to demand it. Take a look at, at the end of this song that Lamech sings. He says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. He's thinking about what's going to happen if anyone tries to avenge the person he's just killed. Think about that. It's not just written down. He's singing about this. He's taken the mercy that God has shown Cain. That he knows about because he exists because God showed Cain that mercy. And now he's trying to to build it up. And again, whether he's thinking about the technological prowess of his family and thinking we can bring about any kind of revenge that would be needed if someone comes after me, or if he's just thinking that, that God is going to immediately, just by his words, create this 77-fold curse. Whatever it might be that is the exact process, he, he's coming to demand God's mercy because he's only in existence because of God's mercy, and yet he thinks he deserves more. He thinks he can do these deeply awful things and demand more. It shows some of the problems that we see over the course of human history over and over again in how we react. You think about in Exodus, God says eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And sometimes we think that sounds really harsh. 
but it was intended to restrain people because we tend to innovate in our sin. If someone hurts us, we want to hurt them more. And so God restricted that. But here we see a flaunting of that, of course, before that law is given, but this is an example of why we need that law. Lamech is wounded, and he kills in response. But he doesn't just stop with killing. He then demands this protection upon himself in a way that the Cain, in his anguish, says, I'm doomed to wander, and everyone's going to want to kill me because of, of who I am. Lamech sees it as an advantage, as an example of his ability to extend what's happened before. And in that, isn't it interesting? Sometimes it's thought that Jesus actually was thinking back to this as he taught, because that number 77 doesn't stop there. Take a look at Matthew 18. Verse 21, Peter comes up to Jesus and and says to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Notice in this story, way at the beginning, Lamech sees it as an example where he cannot forgive. He can go and kill someone for a minor inconvenience. And in response, brings 77 times the cursing power down upon anyone who then tries to go after him. And some commentators have observed, and I I think there's something to this, that maybe Jesus is intentionally invoking that 77 to say, here in this new order that you're going to implement, in this new kingdom, God's kingdom breaking into the world, we're called to something different. We shouldn't be innovating on sin and extending it and then demanding more of God's mercy as a protection against our sin. We should start acting like those who have received mercy and then extend mercy to others. And so in in a response to what Lamech is doing, Peter gets this charge that's much harder. Someone does something against you, it's not even enough just to forgive, but keep forgiving and forgiving. And Jesus isn't saying that we should we should take abuse and be abused and be beaten down in, un, in horrible, unfair ways. What he's saying is that we shouldn't seek revenge, and, and we shouldn't seek to to restrain mercy from other people. There are times that we need to walk away from someone and and times that we need to walk away from a whole group of people. But even in there, we should be those who recognize that we're recipients of mercy. Lamech, in some sense, knew that he was a recipient of mercy, but he didn't see any reason to extend it out. He saw it as an opportunity to build up his own pride to both towards his victim, whom he kills, and then everyone else around him as he bragged about it and demanded more protection around himself. And in that, I think he sort of felt like he'd gotten a coupon for mercy, but he didn't feel like he had any relationship with the one who had given him mercy. Sort of like if you think about a lot of businesses now have the, the friend and family discount weekend, and you'll see the ad at the appliance store or whatever, and it says, come in on this weekend and you can get whatever you want for the same price that we charge our friends and family. You know, as low of markup, presumably, at least they're implying that, as we can possibly give. And there's something about those discounts. And some of them may actually be legitimate. Some of them may be quite good, and and you may have gotten a great deal on a stove or a refrigerator through that. 
But what happens when you go into the store and you get the family and friend discount? Well, you get your appliance, you pay for it, you walk out. You don't go over and sit down and have dinner with the family that owns the appliance store. Because you know that it's about a discount. It's not about actually having a relationship with the family that offered it. You're not being invited to be part of the family or even the friends. You're being invited to experience just in this one way, this discount, what they experience. And sometimes that's how we treat God's mercy. And I, I think that's what's happening with Lamech. He knows he's received mercy. In fact, he's going to demand more of it. But he doesn't see any reason for it to change who he is. In fact, quite the opposite, because he doesn't have a relationship with the one who's giving him mercy. He just has a receipt of some mercy. But God doesn't give us a coupon for a family and friend discount of, of mercy. He gives us a, a little card that invites us to be his family. And that should be something different. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he speaks to Peter. You see, if, if we're just getting the discount, we just try to figure out how many coupons can we stack together and how can we get the best discount possible. But when we're invited to be the family, we actually want to be a part of it. We want to experience it. We want to sit down and, and have dinner and not just get a cheap refrigerator. And in Lamech's case, and not recognizing what God was doing, even for the first murderer in the world and the way that he related to Cain, is that he may have been able to scare other people off from retaliating against him. And sometimes when we allow our pride to well up and, and we're all about showing wrath to other people, we can avoid unpleasantness for ourselves. But if we're not experiencing genuine re relationship with the mercy giver, and, and then experiencing what it's like for that mercy to flow through us, we, we may be avoiding retaliation in this world, but but we're missing out on the greater story of what it's like to walk with God, to really experience his grace in a transformative way, not just to have a momentary repentance even, but as we looked at that very first passage tonight, to experience the power of God coming upon us as the Spirit works in us, to actually be transformed, to be saved in a genuine sense where, where we're actually now part of the family of God. That's what he's offering us, not just a momentary discount. And there's something striking about this story. We can miss it as we're, we're going through that first part of Genesis. You see, we're told about these different people in Cain's family. But as Lamech brags about this wrath that's going to come upon those who will try to bring about to him what he's done to others, the story stops. We move on to the story of Seth. And the story of Cain's family is set aside. Those given mercy, this, this family tree that existed solely because God was merciful. They don't play a bigger part in the story. They don't get to, to walk with God in the generations to come because there isn't that experience of God's mercy. There isn't that relationship with God. There isn't the righteous person in that family who, who knows what it's like to truly know the Lord. They miss out on that greater experience of mercy. And may we not do that. It's my prayer for you tonight. If you've maybe experienced a little taste of God's mercy and you even think, well, I'm glad that God's merciful, but, but you haven't actually experienced what it's like to go from a family and friend discount to being part of the family, may tonight be the night that you do. 
you'd like someone to pray for you, I'd love to pray for you. I know many of us here at Little Hills Wood, you can send me an email at the email address on screen. I would love to pray for you in that way. Or you can leave a comment in the comments below. I know that many of those online would love nothing more than to pray for you. Because those of us who've experienced actually being invited to that table and we're sitting down and having a family dinner with God, we know that it's so much more than that discount. May all of us experience that. And, and in our continued walk with Christ, may we be reminded of that because we can fall back into that family discount and miss out on the family. But God gives us a relationship with him. And may we see that as we look at the story of Lamech and the rest of scripture as well. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, sometimes we get so focused on how we want to be righted. And, and so even rightly, we come before you and we seek mercy on something. And yet we seek mercy only on that something and not not the restoration and the healing and the power that, that, that comes from you that you invite us to experience. We take the discounted appliance and don't experience the, the dinner table. But Lord, would you help us that we might always see the greater thing that you offer us. And that as we see it then, that your mercy would pour out through us that that we might not be those seeking to understand how little we can forgive others as, as we so often do. We might be those who give great mercy to those around us, just as you have shown us great mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Well, I hope this has been an encouragement to you tonight as we think about God's mercy that is mercy for each of us. And if it has been an encouragement to you, would you give it a like or a share? You, sharing this with someone else that happens to be online tonight, you might encourage them to really wrestle with God's mercy for the very first time. And I hope you'll come back next week, maybe invite a friend as well. We're going to continue this series on bad attitudes looking at two of Aaron's sons and their bad attitude about worshiping God. And so I do hope that you'll join me for that as we continue Bad Attitudes at 7 p.m. next Monday evening. In the meantime, we have been continuing our series through the Psalms, a, a way to engage with the scriptures this year and to think about how they apply in our lives. And, and I hope that if you didn't already, you'd check out Jim's video from last night as he walked us through Psalms 46, 47, and 48. And consider joining in the discussion at grow.faithtree.com all week long as we read further in depth into these wonderful Psalms. Also, our men's Bible study begins this Thursday night at 7 p.m. It's online. If you're looking for a men's Bible study, it would be truly wonderful to have you there. It's going to be a great time. We go in-depth every time, and no question is too simple or too complex. We just dig into God's Word together. We're going through the Book of Romans, a truly wonderful book. Anyone, anywhere in the world can take part. And so please do consider that at 7 p.m. on Thursday. Finally, less than a week away, we are going to begin in-person worship. I know you've heard that before, but the building has been leak-free. Thankfully, we're so thankful to God for we're getting the pieces finally together. We're, we're excited to see why it is that he wanted us to be on this particular week. But here we are, April 24th. We're going to join together. We're going to have a celebratory service 
thanking our God for all the ways that he's been pulling Little Hills together into the shape that he wants it over the past few years. We're going to worship together in person and then do that every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. So please do consider joining us. And if you can't be there in person, we're going to be live streaming every Sunday night service, just like we do on Monday night. So please do join us online. It's a great way if you're too far away or you just can't be there in time or you're not feeling well, whatever the case might be, our live stream will be there as well. Well, I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week and a continued experience of the joy of Easter this week filled with God's grace and maybe a few of those peanut butter cups. And I'll see you again next week. <music>